the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. So I am particularly fond of doing radio work and podcast work as a vassalization of radio work. And I love TV work. Um, TV work that I do is very solo, but I get to work with really smart people who are very passionate about what they do. I think radio work is almost opposite where the audience is very passionate. They really want to consume knowledge on something. Um, and I get to write and edit my own show with a lot of rope to hang myself with. I really appreciate my bosses, Craig and Mike. Salem Media is awesome. I get into trouble probably two, three times a year for taking it a little bit too far. But in the end, they let me help you. And they get my goal is to help and get you to retirement. Today's show is an educational show. Pass it on. I try to do educational shows once a week, 20% of the shows, um, to really kind of pound home to you, like some of the mistakes that you're making. Um, There is a book um, called Fairly Stupid Tales that meant a lot to me as a kid because they showed you that the ugly duck grew up to be a really ugly duck and he never turned beautiful. And I thought that was funny. The book is my favorite childhood book. It's called The Stinky Cheese Man and Other Fairly Stupid Tales. Um, and the ugly duck that grows up to be an ugly duckling or an even uglier duck. It made me giggle. So I got it. So when I say to you, ugly duckling investments grow up to be even uglier investments, will you stop buying stocks because they go from 60 to 6? Will you stop looking for value in something that's under $10? If you go to a store this weekend and you see something 90% off, it probably has a bad stitching problem, a bad color Maybe it was made with cancerous products. Something that's 90, 95% off is probably not going to add a lot of value to your life. So ugly duckling investments usually grow up to be even uglier investments. Once upon a time, there was an ugly investment named Prince Lucent. And Prince, Prince Lucent was spun off from AT&T. And Prince Lucent used to make all the telecommunications equipment for AT&T. And the dot-com came along. And we needed local area networks and wide area networks. And we needed telephone networks and data networks and wireless networks. And Lucent was was this wonderful bastard child of AT&T. AT&T had to be broken up because it's a monopoly. Our wise government said, there's a PAC Bell West and there's a, a Atlantic Bell and there's a Bell Atlantic. and a Ver- like There was too many bells, so we had to break them up. And Lucent used to make the equipment for all of them. The only problem was there's companies better at it, like Cisco Systems. So Lucent was an ugly spinoff that grew up to be an even uglier investment. 
sometimes it's okay to go for the pretty sister. I know in John Hughes movies, it's the middle sister. Okay, there's the hot cheerleader. There's the middle sister who's really good at math. And then there's the young snarky sister who seems to be good at sports. Go for the middle sister. She's only wearing thick glasses. She's going to take them off. She's got contacts. Hollywood's a little too easy to figure out sometimes. But ugly duckling investments usually grow up to be even uglier. Stop thinking John Hughes movies. In the world of investments, it's okay to go with a pretty one. Um, electric vehicles have 2 to 3% penetration in, in sales in the United States. It's okay to stay with Tesla. Because if we go to 50% electric vehicles and they get 25% of that market, holy mackerel. I once dated a girl named Don Zackerel. This is whole, terribly, terribly embarrassing. How many people I've dated. Um, but on top of it, her ad campaign in high school was, um, holy mackerel, vote Don Zackerel. <laughs> I know you're saying, you were interested in politics at a young age, weren't you, Rob? Yeah, she ran for school treasurer, and I, I think she got it. So The Stinky Cheese Man and Other Fairly Stupid Tales, great book for children. If you're looking for holiday gifts, birthday gifts, it's by a, name game, named, a guy named John Shishka. I know you're saying, can you spell Shishka? It sounds like you. I'm sneezing, right? S-C-I-E-Z-K-A and Lane Smith. And it's awesome because every tale in it is even funnier than the last. And they basically tell you the true story about the three little pigs. They peed on the toilet seat. Or the stinky cheese man. Or the gingerbread man who outran everyone until, well, someone grabbed him and ate him. Kids need to learn this stuff. Ugly duckling investments usually grow up to be even uglier ducks. Just that's how it works. I had a chapter in a book once called uh, Waiting for Godot. Don't wait for losers to win to turn to winners. We, we tend to wait as a society. And if you have a loser investment, sometimes in the world of stocks, I sell my losers. I buy more of my winners. In the world of mutual funds, I sell my winners and buy more of my losers. That's a very simple concept, and let me te teach you real quick. Individual companies you want to reward, in my opinion. This isn't good investment advice for everyone, so consultant worker always are taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. But if you say, I want to own 20% American large cap companies, and it grows 25%, you didn't suddenly wake up and say, I want to own 25%, and you go, okay, what shrank? Maybe my small caps did poorly, so I'm going to buy more of those. I, I sell my winners in mutual funds. Nope. I sell my losers. Nope. I sell my winners in mutual funds to buy more of my losers in mutual funds and ETFs. And in stocks, I sell more of my losers to buy more of my winners. And this is 20, 30-year-old advice because I don't really sell a lot of stocks anymore. You want to learn how to get wealthy? Take a look at the Forbes 100 wealthiest people. There are people like Warren Buffett. There's no day traders. There's people who inherit it well. There's no software, house flipping. No one on a flipping show is worth the 100 wealthiest people in America. There's oil. There's tech entrepreneurs. There's people who have bought a lot of real estate in their lifetime. Not shortly, but in their lifetime. You get the idea. I'm Rob Black. Find me at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW.
some shows I just don't really hit the daily nerves. I want to create more content that is exclusive to strategy, tips, hints, ideas. Picking stocks is the toughest thing in the world. Getting the discipline of doing things the right way is probably just as important as picking the right ideas and stocks. There's things called investment clubs. I'm not against them. I encourage them. Um, when I came to California, investment clubs kind of come and go in favor. But a group of women from Santa Rosa invited me up to speak. And they're like, we'll give you two bottles of wine. And they weren't cheap bottles of wine. And it's from the edge of wine country. So I was like, sure, whatever. Um, I'll work for beer. I'll come to your house tonight and talk to your kids if you give me a beer. But I'm not drinking, so that doesn't make any sense. But maybe a bottle of wine for the future. Um, where does this go? Where does this go? Um, oh, investment clubs. So I went up there and there was a, this group of 10 women and they're like, I'll be honest with you. They look at board housewives, the board housewives of Santa Rosa, right? And most of them are probably dead now because they're all like 60, 70. And this was 20 years ago. And there was one woman who was definitely dead because she was like 80. And she was the best person in the whole group because she was crabby and cranky and, and you know, everyone would be like, I want to invest in Nokia. And it all like, yeah, Nokia, Nokia, Nokia. I'm like, well, okay, Nokia kind of beat Motorola, but there's this young company at this point in time, Apple, who's getting into the phone market. It's going to be a big market. You're absolutely right. You know, but it's growth of 20% compounded annual growth rate, 10 years plus, blah, 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 blah. And I'd, I'd be able to like help them with their investment decisions. And there's this woman who's like, no, she was just cranky and she wanted like something that generated more cash. She's not wrong. She's actually more right because groupthink is bad when it comes to investing. Okay, so if you can do an investment club, and even if it's just like getting away from your your husband or your wife for a night, I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to the firehouse. <laughs> and you're like, firehouse? You've never gone to the firehouse. You're not a fireman. Okay, well, that's a problem. But let's say you're going to go to uh, the yacht club or the country club or the tennis club. If you wanted to get four or five of your friends together, have a couple of beers and talk stocks, I think that's a great thing. Kind of open up some of the shame. What's your greatest? I wanted to ask that 80 year old woman. What's like, what's your biggest regret? Like, and she goes, I should have given the life preserver to Leonardo. I'm like, you were that woman in Titanic. No, but that would be a big regret, I would imagine. But her big regret would have been something that would have been intoxicatingly entertaining for me. It could have been, you know, not investing in Coca-Cola. I was three years old and my daddy took me to get a shot. And then afterwards, we went and got a brand new Coca-Cola. I'm like, really? No, I just told that story to make it up. Um, those are the people that I, I, I find the most entertaining. People who are got some gray hair and have lived through a market cycle or two. And they can have that perspective of things they, they messed up. Too many wives, too many cars, too many houses. Not enough invested. That could be on my uh, tombstone. Too many cars, too many houses, too many wives. Plenty invested. <laughs> okay, some books that I really like that I think are entertaining and on paperback. There's one called Eft Companies, and it is exactly what you think it is. It's a dirty word, but they kept it clean. F apostrophe D Companies. And it's a genius book because it shows you that sometimes we invest in stupid ideas. 
there was a company in 2000 that was coming out with internet that smelled. So you would go to a website and your monitor would kick out like roses if you're like shopping for wedding gifts. Or it would kick out a scent of roses if you were shopping for diapers and needed to change your kid's diaper. Or it'd send out the smell of roses. I know you're saying is the only smell they did roses. Maybe. I don't know. They never were successful, so I don't know. But it shows you how stupid we got with companies that we would invest in. And it's just a constant reminder to me of, like, check yourself. You know the best lesson I teach my my kids in school? Read the whole problem once or twice. If it's five math problems, read them all once, read them all twice, and then start working on them. When you're done, look at it once, look at it twice. You're not going to get graded in life on punctuality until later in life. Take your time. Check your work. It's goofy, but it's the best advice I can give, I think. There's a great book called Gorilla Game. It teaches you at looking at companies as an analyst. It's a little bit dated at this point in time because it's focusing on the first round of internet companies. The Death of Competition is my all-time favorite. It's by a last name author, Moore. In fact, Gorilla Game is by Moore, but they're two different Moore. One's James Moore, one's Jeffrey Moore. Death of Competition shows you why companies succeed and why companies fail. One of the greatest examples in it is Walmart versus Kmart. Fine. You know another great example? They showed you why Boston Chicken failed. Boston Chicken was also known as Boston Market. And when you'd go into their stores, you'd be like, wait, I can get a half fresh roasted chicken for $5 and mashed potatoes and corn? Now, I know I can go to Costco and get a whole roasted chicken for like $6. But you're going to throw in all these delicious buttery sides as well? Okay, wait, wait. I'm going to get that. I'm going to go to the restroom real quick, wash my hands. You go in the restroom, it was like clean. You're like, I could eat in this restroom. You come back, your food was ready. They were happy. You go sit down and like everything was nice and clean. That's not a business that's going to succeed. In the restaurant business, there's very thin margins and it's too clean. I'm not saying you want puke on the toilet, but you certainly don't want a scrubby clean from a business that you want to succeed for the long term. Uh-uh. Now I know you're saying you're being a jerk, Rob. Maybe a little bit. Um, there's a great book that would bore every one of you to death, and I challenge you to read it. And this is why I'm going to beat your butt in Investor Jeopardy called Value Investing with the Masters. There's a chapter about me in it. Okay, I'm lying. But I wish there was a chapter with me in it. Um, anything by Benjamin Graham, Google Benjamin Graham today, Google Warren Buffett today, Warren Buffett quotes, Benjamin Graham approach to investing, read an article or two, grab a book or two. Peter Lynch was one of the greatest investors of the eighties. Let's just say we should have left him in the eighties like Don Johnson, which for the record, I think Dakota Johnson is freaking whack out of her mind. When I see her on talk shows, she always looks high. And she looks like she's got helium in her head. And I'm, again, I'm not trying to be mean against women. She showed up on a talk show the other night in essentially a kimono, a really nice one. And I'm not saying she was appropriating another culture because I, I don't really give that much of a care about like social debates along those lines. I see them. I get them. I understand. I'm sure. But she just looked whack. Um. 
she talked about wearing a complete like like a tv plastic box around herself when she went to an airport during covid and i'm like you probably should run that story through someone like that was not that good of a story so she went like wore garbage bags and she said she scared a little kid i'm like that's not your best spot you might want to stick with those movies where you take off all your clothes because that's what people know you for. And your daddy's Don Johnson and your mommy's Melanie Griffith. Fifty Shades of Black. Rob Black. I know you're saying that movie's not going to do well. See, Gray's the beauty of black and gray getting together. And like, it's kind of a murky thing. But black's just black. James O'Shaughnessy is a great person to Google. And I, I, I think you could have a notebook by your car or somewhere and you're like what did Rob just say James O'Shaughnessy Benjamin Graham Warren Buffett Peter Lynch you're going to learn something from these guys just like you're going to learn Patrick Mahomes can throw a football sideways and Aaron Rodgers can drop a a football into a a pail of water from 70 yards away and you're like a real pail of water a real pail of water while it's moving on a golf cart at 10 miles an hour that's pretty good so learn from these guys. Do a little Googling. Do a little book buying. I'm not against there, – there's a book that I have on my bookshelf. It's called The Cookbook to Investing Success, and it's written by some regional guy who knows absolutely nothing. He just wanted to vanity press a book so he could tell potential clients, hey, I wrote a book. I wrote a book for HarperCollins, and they paid me. I didn't do a vanity press where I paid them to do the printing. I don't talk about the book because it's embarrassingly average. But if you want a copy, let me know. (laughs) Oh, what else is there? I have a list of my top investment ideas for a diversified portfolio from 30, uh, 25 years ago. And this is good. I look back at all my notes on a pretty regular basis. And this one's embarrassing because my tech stocks were Microsoft, Cisco, Intel, Texas Instruments, Supply Materials, Nokia, Sun Microsystems, EMC, and IBM. 25 years ago, that was a, uh, a rocking list. I made money on nine of those 10 stocks. Sun Microsystems failed, but I traded it pretty successfully, but I don't trade anymore. IBM never did anything for me, but I made a heck of a lot of money on tax instruments, Intel, Cisco, Microsoft, and EMC. I'm embarrassed by that list. Listen to some of the other tech plays. Flextronics, they used to make computers. They still make computers. But uh, companies like Dell would say, I, we, we need someone to make this for us. We'll give you all the parts. You put it together for us. Ericsson, they used to be a poor man's Nokia, which was a poor man's Cisco, which was a poor man's. On that list were Pfizer and uh, Ford and General Motors, who they're awful. I've never owned them, but they're on a list of a diversified portfolio. How about Viacom and Gap stores? Home Depot and Walmart are genius. I can see that this, age, this list didn't age terribly Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So I like the idea of future self coming back and talking with past self and current self somewhere in there. 
I'm one of those people that I like a good time travel twist in a movie. I know it's not realistic, but it gets me every time. I'm a sucker for bad movies, I suppose, or bad twists or obvious twists. Anyhow, um, I'm talking about mistakes that I wish I can go back and tell myself not to make. Live within your means. I took a girlfriend to Miami in my 20s. What's wrong with me? Failure to set goals. Um, I always had goals that were kind of like just a wife. I never thought about kids and they're expensive. And kids' colleges are expensive. And goals like I want to live pretty well in retirement or just okay in retirement. Um, having a budget, not fun, not sexy, but it's really, really important to know that you can manage all your taxes that you have obligations to, all your debts that you have obligations to, that you can save 10 to 15% of your salary and then still have fun and sexy times. You don't want to carry too much debt. And the only debt that Rob Black approves of is, is low-cost college debt and low-cost mortgages. All other debt needs to be suspect, where you're like, sus, you could be the thing that's ruining my financial life. Another th- uh, area that we get into problems is not having enough cash reserves. Haven't we all been there once in our life where we're like, I'd really like to pay for the speeding ticket, but my bank account says $35 and I can get a pizza or I can pay off my speeding ticket. Back when speeding tickets were $35. And, and you're like, I'm going to get a pizza. <laughs> and it's the wrong decision in theory. But that cash reserves for an emergency speeding ticket or a car crash where you're covering a deductible. Or maybe you get a DUI and you're like, what? Whoa, that's expensive. You still want to be able to save money for retirement. You still want to get groceries. You still want to you know, pay out, down your car payment and your home payment and your your uh, Banana Republic, I just started a new job payment. So having a little bit of cash on the sidelines that you can dip into, that's unusual in very odd circumstances. A cash reserves is awesome. I've got six months of cash, and it's always pissed me off because I'm like, oh, if I put you in Apple, you'd be up 40%. And then I'd have free cash on top of cash to use in case of emergency. I hate cash. Cash is trash. Cash doesn't get the returns, but cash is there because it's liquid. Insufficient disability insurance. I have seen more people become poor because they've bought homes and got in over their head with debt. But I've also seen a lot of people lose their ability to earn an income and not be able to service their lifestyle. Disability is a lot more common than death. If you're in your 20s or 30s or your 40s, you're more likely to get into a car crash this weekend and not be able to go to work on Monday for a week, two weeks, maybe a year, two years. One of my friends, and I say it with a long ass because I have so many friends I want to impress you. He was a, a dentist, a really good dentist. And then one day he accidentally took a scalpel to his hand or a needle into his hand or something. And he could no longer be a dentist. So he went from making 160, 180,000 a year to nothing. His disability insurance got him through. Now, again, had he been working on a patient, accidentally slid his wrist and bled out and died, the life insurance is going to be much more important than the losing his, his hands, you know, muscular ability. But n- more people are going to lose, they're going to be disabled than they're going to die. Sometimes dying is a flat-out best thing that ever happens to a person. My dad didn't have enough money saved for retirement for two people, let alone uh, you know, living well. When he got 
uh, heart attack. They found cancer. He got cancer treated six, seven years later. It comes back. And then he's, they say, you're going to be dead in six months. One of the best things he did was he just flat out died. He didn't dip into the emergency money. He didn't dip into the no one's coming in, but food's going out kind of money. I know that you're saying that's harsh, Rob. It is. I know. Disability insurance is you are much more likely, and your job has it covered. And the best thing about uh, disability insurance is your job's going to give you some probably. You got to talk to HR. You got to get to know what your benefits are and are not. And if you don't, you're irresponsible. But that disability insurance is good. And it can't really be oversold because it's all mathematics. It's not one of the ones where you're going to get the insurance agent fat and wealthy. He's not going to go, woohoo, honey, I got another disability insurance. Let's go to Hawaii and make children. It's not that much of a commission. Life insurance, watch out. Annuities, watch out. You're making that agent a lot of money more often than not. Okay, other mistakes that we make. Updating your paperwork. I was pretty cocky and arrogant in my 20s. I wanted to get away from my father and not look back. It was kind of a Bruce Springsteen Thunder Road. Oh, 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 Thunder Road. I just have a girl in this car and a dream and I'm driving away, right? I wanted to do that. Um, so I fell in love with Juliet. That didn't work out. So I fell in love with Amanda. That didn't work out. So I fell in love with Kelly. That didn't work out. But all along, I, I was still in my financial career, and I was opening up an account at Schwab. I was opening an account at Fidelity. I was opening up a new 401k at a company. And every time it went from Juliet to Amanda to Kelly, like they kept getting thrown down on my paperwork. Flash forward 10, 15, 20 years, I finally get the, the formula right. I finally make babies with my love potion number nine. That's the only way I'm going to make a baby, right? And suddenly, like, you have to shake everything up and go, I need to be responsible now. Let's take a look at all this, this paperwork that's coming in. Wait, wait. If I died, Fidelity would get my million dollar. Oh, no, that's not good. Oh, and if I died, Amanda would get my $2 million Vanguard account. Oh, that's not good. Current spouse and children would be very upset. So update your paperwork. In my 20s, I didn't want to put my family members, my brother, Michael, my sister, Susan. Susan was on a lot of my paperwork. She's not anymore. I love my sister, but she shouldn't be the first in line to inherit the fortune of Rob Black, the estate of Mr. Roberto Negro. Senior. I know you're saying you have high, high hopes. Yes. You have to have high, high hopes for a living. Um, so update your paperwork and update your will. It's very, very important to do that every five to 10 years because things change. I know people that they have, they leave all their money to their children when they're, you know, 10 years old. And then by the time their kid gets to 20, he's got a crack cocaine problem. Don't leave a kid who has a crack cocaine problem a million dollars. It's not going to end like you want it to. How about I, I, I go less dark than crack cocaine? How about I say meth? No, that's too dark as well. How about gambling addiction? How about uh, a, a strong desire for French prostitutes and booze? Uh, okay, okay. Um, update your will because sometimes your children don't turn out the way you want them to for 100, Alex. Yeah, that's better. Sometimes your little sugar booger, your little daughter, your little 
uh, apple of your eye, the, the twinkle in your toes. Sometimes she marries a, a, a man who hits her. <laughs> and you don't want to leave him the money. I know you're saying, yeah, updating that. Well, okay, Rob, I got it. We'll do check. Um, another thing is failure to diversify. I own a lot of tech stocks in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s and still in my 50s. And I, I don't practice what I preach. Um, has Have I gotten better about it? Yes. Is my portfolio still too much tech growth personally? Yes. I feel like I'm missing out if I'm not in that area. And that's that's I'm inadequate there. I've got a mental issue. I need a pill for that. So as you get older, you should diversify. If you made all your money in trading cards, maybe you should buy some stocks. If you made all your money in tech stocks, maybe you should buy some non-tech stocks. If you made all your money in stocks, maybe you should buy a bond or two or a piece of real estate or two. Or maybe you get into like, maybe you could diversify a little bit so that when the stock market does get hit for three or four years, you don't become suicidal and, and take the raw black advice of only living in a one-story house. There's going to be bad times. Another mistake we make is too much short-term focus. Oh, Biden's going to be better than Trump. Obama's going to be better than Clinton. Clinton's going to be better than Bush. Bush is going to be better than God. Like, what? Why Like, why not look at the, I've got 10, 20. If you got 20 years left till you retire, take a look at the last 20 years. It's worked in funny situations. It's worked after terrorist attacks. It's worked after housing market crisis, after Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers go bankrupt. If you've got a 20-year time horizon, take a look at the last 20 years. Take a look at any 20-year period on stock on Wall Street and go, oh, I get it. The 60s, we had hippies. <clears throat> I believe, like the Cartman family, that all hippies should be thrown in your basement and tased. Just kidding. <laughs> so anyway, <clears throat> um, too much short-term focus. I see that way too often. I got an email yesterday from someone who's like, with the new administration shutting down pipelines or changing executive orders to do this or that, do you think I should invest in oil or do you think I should invest in this or that? I'm like, if you're asking me a short-term trade, I would prefer you approach most of your investment thoughts as investments and not as trades. Now, if you want to be a trader, there's a radio show out there for you, Rob Black and your trading Deleros. But I'm not really doing a show on trading. I'm talking about a show to get you wealth. I don't know a lot of day, tra day uh, traders who are worth any money that don't work in Chicago or New York. In fact, I know none. Too much short-term focus will get you uh, in trouble. You know another thing that will get you in trouble? Not enough education. If you want to invest in Wall Street, if you want to have a 401k, pull out a little Wall Street Journal action on occasion. Take a look at the business section of the New York Times. It'll serve you better than figuring out who's going to win the big football game or the hockey championship. Little high, high hopes. It's super important to have it in life. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. So growing up, I wanted to add value to my father. I had a father-son relationship that was flawed, to say the least. I was the fifth boy, so I felt like I was going to be the fifth loved. And there was a lot of truth to that. My older brother, Clint, considerably older than me, um, 
got caught selling marijuana as a senior in high school, and it just humiliated my father. And like the headlines in the newspaper were Eagle Scout Black Dopehead. And that just reverberated. And by the time, you know, what was I probably in kindergarten at that point in time, my childhood was basically ruined. So he had a kid disappoint him, and he was also kind of a raging alcoholic. So I, I very much so had a daddy issue. And I, I, the only things I ever did well, did well in life was kind of to please my dad. Um, I wanted to get the highest SAT scores in my family because I was the fifth boy, and I got to see what was coming ahead of me. And I did. I succeeded in business quite well. I'm one of the greatest stock pickers I've ever read into, if I do say so myself. But then again, I also was born at the right time at the right place. So I'm going to give more credit to the, my timing of being a kid who had the very first home computer, in theory, in an Atari 2600. That I kind of got it and I invested that way and it served me and clients quite well. It served me and business partners quite well. It served me in radio quite well. Um, when I'd have a CEO or board member from NVIDIA on my show 20 years ago, I knew what video game cards were and I knew that they were important because we had to move from Pong, really basic graphics to actually being able to murder someone on a video game, which was a controversial game in the 1990s. I think Sega Genesis had a, a game where you could spy on women and then pick one to murder. And it was like, whoa, you pushed the social boundaries back then. In video games? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I learned business lessons my whole life, and I don't know why. I saw horror movies as incredibly cheap to make. You didn't have to pay actors too much. And it was all special effects driven. You had a built-in audience of kids who wanted to go to movies, eat popcorn, hold a girl's hand, and, and, and see a movie. Get away from mom and dad for a freaking frag in a few minutes. I know you have all this in your life, too. You just need to turn on the turn off the financial blinders and see the world as I do. You need to get organized. I hate it. Uh, I used to spend my weekends trying to find sexy romantic spots to get away to. Now I spend my weekends trying to get more organized. Uh, I save every bill, every piece of paper, every tax piece of paper for five years. And I've got a shoebox that says... 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. And I throw away all the contents from 2015 when it's 2020. All the contents in 2016 when it's 2021. It's not a great system. And for the electronic, I have folders on my computer that says 2015, and I do the same thing there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got into a situation where someone needed my passport. I know you're saying, were you arrested? quiet. No, I was not arrested. But birth tickets, Social Security. Um, sources of income, really important in your 20s, 30s, and 40s when you're starting to get mortgages and you're starting to get cars. Having that stuff laying around is great. As you get older, you're like, eh, I make money. <laughs> your sources of income, not nearly as demanding later in life, but you should keep that around early. Your liabilities. I think liability is uh, knowing what you owe and letting someone find it just in case you get hit by a truck today is awesome. My spouse, my sugar booger, my love, has a very bad problem of writing down her passwords in really odd, random places. And if she dies, I'm never going to figure out her, her electronic system. Whereas I'm like, on my home desk, there's a folder that's very complicated to get into. You have to double tap 
you no no you have to use your left finger and hit it twice on it and it'll open up and it'll tell you all my passwords if you know my one password i have one password that guides all my passwords but it's important to share that information with a loved one don't be a jerk don't die where people have to pull scooby-doo mystery to figure out what's where your insurance policies are important i even point to them and tell my sugar booger this is what you grab if i die this is what you grab if I get into a car accident and I live. I spell it out. I don't when when tragedy hits, you should be mourning a person or supporting a person. You shouldn't be figuring out their paperwork. You know who was an investor god, who was the very first investor god? If I were to write my own Bible, which is probably heresy and I shouldn't say that out loud, but if I were to write my own Bible, the first investor god not the man who made the planet, not the man who made the financial system, but it was Scrooge. He didn't overspend on holiday gifts. He didn't overspend on overpaying people. He didn't give people too many days off so they can get fat. He didn't give people too many days off so they could want to kill him and become the boss. Scrooge was an investor god. All hail Scrooge. Now I know you're saying in the book of Rob <laughs> or in the book of Scrooge. I make myself laugh. The only thing I can tell you about Scrooge is I hope he taught all children like, yes, yes. In the end, it's okay to like give money away to charity, but he got wealthy by not giving money away to charity. He showed us path one. There's many paths to getting wealthy. He could have lived till the day he died off his savings. He almost did, right? Okay. So to, to become a millionaire when you're 20, all you got to do is save $1,000 a year. To become a millionaire when you're 25, all you got to do is save $1,700. So it goes up 70%. If you wait till you're 30, you got to save $2,900 a year. That's $250 a month. If you wait till you're 40, that's $8,700. Up from that initial $1,000 a year, now you're at $8,700. If you wait till you're 45, it's $15,600 a year. And that's $1,300 a month. Can you see how it's moved up from like 80 bucks a month to $1,300 a month? The value of starting early, the value of having uh, false idols like Scrooge to follow is important. I hope you get the tongue in cheek. I'm Rob Black.